As we gather together, um, we've, we've dedicated children, we've, uh, we've prayed for and, and said farewell to, to Marty and Krista and Riley and Tucker. We've, we've lit an Advent uh, candle. And uh, I want to take a few minutes um, in our service this morning um, to open up God's Word and to share about something that, that, I'm, uh, that God has been teaching me. And uh, it's not specifically Advent-related, but it's under that. It's not specifically related to, you know, saying farewell to Marty and Krista, but it's related to that as well. Um, it's, it's not specific to dedicating a child, but it's really connected to that. It, it's just because we, we're here as a fellowship, and this is all the fellowship of the family. This is all the activity of the family. And so within all of that context, I want to break open God's word to us. Uh, and spend a few moments just um, giving you some, uh, some bread to, to chew on this morning. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we have sung this morning that we long for a taste of heaven's dew. And so that's my prayer as we spend a few moments opening up your word this morning, that you would, you would fulfill our thirst, that you would satisfy our thirst with, with even just a, a taste of you even so that we would long for more of you. So would you speak into our lives, God, however we sit this morning, wherever we sit in our experiences and in our situations, you know us intimately, you know what we bring into this place. And I pray that within that context and into that context of our lives, you would speak. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Specifically, this morning, we, we celebrated the dedication of Joel and Seth. And in the second service, we'll, we'll be celebrating dedication of, of Jordan. And I want to I just, um, within that particular context, I want to share some things with you this morning. I want to spend a few minutes reflecting on um, this whole notion of, of dedication, something that God has been continues to shape and form in me, and, uh, and I want to come just posing a question this morning. This is where I want us to end up at the end of this. I want to ask, in, in the context of, of dedicating children, and particularly, as it was this morning in this service for Joel and Seth, I want to, I want to ask us as the church family, what should we pray for our children? What should we pray for little Joel um, and even littler Seth? And more generally, what what should we pray for our children? You might, you might have children of your own. They might be little. They might be downstairs right now. They might be grown. But what should we be praying for our children? What should we be praying for our grandchildren? What should we be praying for our nieces, our nephews? Um, in, in some cases, what should we be praying for our godchildren? What should we be praying for all those children who are below us right now downstairs? I want to read for you a couple passages of Scripture um, just to, to give us some frame for, for that kind of question, to, to answer that kind of question. Um, the first one is from Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. And if you have a Bible, you can certainly open it to that. I'm going to go Joshua 6, and then I'm going to flip over to Romans 12, so you can kind of be looking for that now. Um, but I, I, I want to just uh, shape this for you a little bit. Joshua chapter 6 um, is the whole story of um, the people of Israel surrounding Jericho. And, and if you are familiar um, with this passage, you'll know that they marched around for seven days straight. Um, they marched around once a day for six days, and then, uh, and, and then on the seventh day, they marched around for seven days. And so that's the context of the whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to get into the specifics of that story except to read um, what happened on the seventh day. 
Okay, they've just come out of, um, they've just entered into uh, the land that God had promised them, and they come up to Jericho, which is a, a fortified city, um, just a, a powerhouse, and God says, I'm going to give you the city. So once a day, according to what God said, for, they marched around the city, all the city gates. They marched all the way around, blowing trumpets once a day for six days. And then the seventh day, it says this, Joshua 6, verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that every man charged straight in it, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Pretty powerful passage, pretty brutal passage. I'm going to read for you Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to come back and uh, talk some specifics. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give graciously. If it is leadership, let him, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. My friends, this is God's word to us this morning. Over the last number of, of weeks and months, I've been reading, um, starting at the beginning of, of the Bible and, and working through, and, I'm, and I have been in the book of Joshua, and I came upon this story of what I just read for you a few moments ago, the fall of Jericho. Uh, I don't know about you, but I learned that in Sunday school growing up. Um, but, uh, but something about this passage really gripped me, um, and I, and I want to share it with you as I, as I process it, um, continue to process it in my life. It's the seventh day in this story that gripped me. You could preach you know, five sermons on the whole story, um, but for six days they walk around the, um, this, this city that God says, I'm going to give it to you, just like I'm giving you this entire land, I'm going to give you this city, um, even though it looks intimidating and it's fortified, I'm going to give it to you. So here's what you do, march around once a day for six days, and then the seventh day, seven times in one day, put the priests out front, 
get the musical instruments and march, and then at the appointed time, shout. And we heard what happened. The walls crumbled. And they, they go in. They take the city. But, but here's, um, here's what's really interesting to me that I, I just want to put out there for you this morning. Verse 17, it says this. Amidst all of this seven-day thing, um, it says, The city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. And when I first read that, I went, well, that's appropriate, you know, um, particularly on a day like today. You know, that, that's really interesting. I thought that's kind of like a football player at the end of the, the game. If they're victorious, they're, you know, they, they do the proverbial when the camera's running, you know, I thank God. I just thank God he gave me this talent. You know, it's sort of dedicating the victory um, to the Lord. Um, but if you have your Bible, you might notice um, it's getting harder and harder for me to see because I'm getting old. But, um, but there's in, right beside that verse, that word devoted, there's a, little, um, there's a little marker, a footnote that sends you down to the bottom of the page. And at the bottom of the page, when it talks about this word devoted in the Hebrew, it gives, it gives an explanation. Um, if you go to the bottom of the page in your Bible, it'll say this. It'll say devoted, and it'll say devoted means the irrevocable giving over of things or persons to the Lord, often by totally destroying them. The irrevocable giving over of things or persons to God, often by totally destroying them. That's what it means when it talks about this, you know, this whole city is devoted to the Lord. And, and with that understanding, that, that simple understanding, the rest of that passage makes sense when it says in verse 18, God says, you know, keep away from the devoted things. Why? Because they've been irrevocably given to God. And it makes more sense in verse 21 when it says the people went in, they devoted the city to the Lord, and they destroyed everything in it. Devoted. The irrevocable giving over of things or persons to the Lord, often by totally destroying them. Now, now make no mistake about it, um, particularly if the Bible is new to you, that's a brutal passage. And, and, and I'm working through... The, in my own head, the, 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 the theology around that and the process of, and so maybe a sermon will come at some point, but it is a brutal passage. Everything was destroyed. Um, but I don't want to get lost on that point. I want us to, to, to step back um, and to see what is going on here. To gain a better understanding of this, we need to understand this notion of being devoted, this notion of this part of Old Testament law that talks about devotion um, it's an important part of, of this to grasp because it has a profound impact even on New Testament theology. Now, now stay with me because, we're, and remember, we're answering a question here. The question at the end of this is, what in the world should we pray for little Joel and little Seth, or insert name of child here? What, what do we pray for them? So, so stay with me. Leviticus 27, if you're ever interested in diving into more of this, you can read Leviticus 27. The Levitical law is very interesting, but in Leviticus 27, it unpacks this whole notion of dedicating things to the Lord. It spends an entire passage, an entire chapter, um, talking about dedicating things to the Lord, and, and the laws, the, the rules around redeeming and buying back things that are dedicated to the Lord. Leviticus 27. I'm not going to read any of it this morning. Um, I'm just going to Highlight it for you so you get a sense of what it is, and you can read it if you want to. Um, I don't want us to get lost in the details because it's pretty complicated, but here's the basics when it comes to redeeming things back that have been already dedicated to the Lord. Um, it, it, the passage goes through and says, okay, um, various things can be brought to the priest and, and dedicated to the Lord. It says in verses 1 to 8 in Leviticus 27, you can dedicate people to the Lord. And, and if you read actually later on in Israel's history, Hannah brought her son 
Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord. He brought him to the priest and said, I, I dedicate my son to the Lord. Um, you can dedicate animals, actually. Verses 9 to 13 of Leviticus 27. Animals can be dedicated. And even your house can be dedicated. Verses 14 to 15. You can dedicate land to the Lord. Verses 16 to 27 in Leviticus 27. goes through all of these things. How to dedicate these things to the Lord. And in each case, here's the key. In each case, there is provision made in Old Testament law to redeem those things. To buy them back. That's what redeem means. And so, if you, want, if, if you want to redeem a person who had been dedicated to the Lord, the, the amount is set by the priest based on age and gender. I'm not making this up. It's in Leviticus 27. Um, if, you had donate, if you had dedicated animals, um, if it was a clean and acceptable sacrifice, it literally says, I'm sorry, no exchanges or substitutions. It's done. If it's an unclean animal, it can be redeemed. It can be bought back. The priest sets the price for that. If you've dedicated a house to the Lord, um, you, can, you can redeem it. You can buy it back. Um, you, you basically add 20% to the value. You can buy it back. Land is even more complicated, but basically it's also a 20% premium. Again, it's all in this Levitical law. The main point is that things that were dedicated to the Lord became holy to the Lord, but dedicated things could be bought back. They could be redeemed back. What in the world are you talking about, Graham? Stay with me. You're laughing because you were thinking it. But stay with me. In contrast to things that were dedicated to the Lord, in verses 1 to 27 of Leviticus 27, um, are things that were devoted to the Lord. Verses 28 and 29 in Leviticus 27. It says in there, it says, But nothing that a man owns and devotes to the Lord, whether man or animal or family or land, None of it may be sold or redeemed back. Everything so devoted is most holy to the Lord. No person devoted to destruction may be ransomed. He must be put to death. Stay with me. There's this same notation in Leviticus 27. You go back down to the bottom of the page when it talks about devoted. It's the exact same thing. Devoted. The irrevocable giving over of things or persons to the Lord. And it uses this beautiful Hebrew word when it talks about devotion or things devoted. It uses the word cherim. Cherim. Cherim was something in, in Levitical law that had been set apart for God, devoted, and it was irrevocable and unconditionally given to God. It wasn't like the dedicated things that could be redeemed and bought back. It was devoted. Two separate categories. It was often translated a band to the Lord. Some translations will do that. It's, it's cherim. It's a band to the Lord. It's irrevocably given over. Something or someone uh, was de- that was devoted to the Lord was most holy to the Lord. That's what it says. In contrast to dedicated things that could be redeemed, devoted things or people couldn't be redeemed. The transaction was permanent, irrevocable. That's why a lot of the time things that were devoted to the Lord were destroyed. Like this thing, like the, 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 all the stuff... The people and the, the, all the possessions in Jericho, they were all destroyed. Why? Because it was to prove the permanence of the giving over of, of the person or the thing. It, it, this, is, this is done. Devotion to God was illustrated by total sacrifice and surrender of the person or the thing to God. Or put another way, for something to be devoted to God meant total sacrifice and surrender. 
Scholars maintain that people and things most often um, devoted to the Lord in this way were things and people that resisted or impeded God's holy action in the world. And, and so they were, they were impeding God's holy work in the world, and so they were, they were given over, devoted, and then, then destroyed. And so that's what's going on here in the story of the fall of Jericho. The city and its people, except for Rahab and her family, because, because they, they had helped um, the people of Israel, the city and its people were evil. They were impeding God's holy action, and so the city and the people were to be devoted to the Lord, handed over irrevocably and unconditionally. They were given over, and so the city and all its value were totally sacrificed and surrendered to God. They were devoted to the Lord. Okay, that was heavy. I'll grant you that. But listen to this. What does that have to do with us here? What does that have to do with you and me here? What does that have to do with, with, with our lives as followers of God now? What does that have to do with, with little Joel and little Seth? This is where Romans 12 comes in. And um, a number of weeks ago I preached here and I quoted Romans 12 again because it's just somewhere kind of where I'm just landing right now. But it, it really comes into to here. That's why I read it again this morning. You see, listen to this, Romans 12, what I read for you, is written in the language of devotion, not dedication. Did you get that? The language of Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That is devotion language, not dedication language. Living sacrifices. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that that's an oxymoron. Living sacrifice. In terms of Old Testament sacrificial law, it was really an oxymoron. A living sacrifice. No, no. By definition, a sacrifice is a dead sacrifice. So this notion of living sacrifice was, was, would have got people's attention. And Paul's working this here to make a point. Here's what Paul is saying. He, in the chapter right before this, chapter 11, he's talking about our disobedience um, as people. He goes, he goes uh, into detail on that and how we resist and we impede through our disobedience as people. We resist and impede God's action in the world, God's, God's holiness and his action in the world. We, we, we resist that and we impede it because of our disobedience and our unrighteousness. And, and in a sense, then, we deserve to be devoted in the Old Testament sense handed over irrevocably, destroyed, just like the people of Jericho, because we are impeding God's holy action through our disobedience and our unrighteousness. But then Paul unpacks what God has done for us in Jesus. And here we are in the Advent season. And as Lincoln framed it for us this morning, past, present, and future celebrating the fact that Jesus has come, is here, and is coming. And it says in the passage, but because of his rich mercy, God is rich in mercy. And the gospel is that, that God stepped in and he devoted himself 
in our place. He gave himself over to death. I mean, we celebrate Christmas, but we know that Christmas is always in the context of Easter. And so Paul shapes this in, in chapter 11. Um, our disobedience, but God's merciful action in Jesus. And then in chapter 12, he says, therefore, what I read for you this morning, therefore, in view of all of that, in view of how merciful God has been to us, do something, he says. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Make a sacrifice of yourself. Throw yourself up on the altar. That's Old Testament sacrificial language. Offer yourself as a sacrifice. This, again, folks, is devotion language. Offering yourselves irrevocably and unconditionally. Offer yourselves to God. Essentially, Paul is saying here is this. Devote yourself Devote yourself to the Lord. Full sacrifice. Hold nothing back. In, in a sense, he's saying, no, no, don't just dedicate yourself where, you know, there's a sense of I can back out if I want to. There's this sense of, no, no, in view of God's mercy, in view of what he's done for you, you devote yourself. Full surrender through sacrifice. Now, thankfully, Paul's talking about a living sacrifice because Jesus took our place he fully devoted himself in death that we can fully devote ourselves to him in life galatians 2:20 says says it this way i've been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me the life i now live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and devoted himself gave himself for me it's all devotion language i'm fully surrendered to the point where it's, it's as if I'm not living, but it's Christ living in me. If you actually read on, like we did this morning, uh, Romans 12, it, it actually moves from that kind of language, calling on each of us to use the gifts that God has, has given us to the benefit of the body of Christ. It says, you know, even though we're, we're kind of like a body, even though there's many different members, we all form one body. And, and, and we belong to one another. In other passages, it talks about, you know, we all need each other. The foot needs the hand and all those kinds of things. We all, there, um, we're, we form one body and we serve one another. And it, it goes on in Romans 12 to say each of the members have been given gifts. And if, you're, if your gift is this, then use it. If your gift is this, then use it. And he goes through all of that, what I read for you this morning. But the idea is that, that it's a call to us that out of our devotion to God, because we've fully given ourselves to God, as a result of offering our bodies as devoted living sacrifices, the outflow of that is that we're devoted to one another. Do you get that? God fully gave himself for us in Jesus Christ, devoted himself irrevocably and unconditionally, gave himself over. And in response, we give ourselves over to God in devotion. He's, he's paid the death penalty, and so we can be living sacrifices, but we are sacrifices nonetheless. We devote ourselves irrevocably and unconditionally. God, I'm yours. And then out of that, we serve one another as members of one body. We devote ourselves to one another. Do you see the flow? Verse 10, a little further down, puts it even more powerfully. Be devoted to one another in love. In the context of what we've been looking at this morning, that's powerful. In view of God's mercy, in view of all that he's done, offer your body as a living sacrifice. How do I do that? 
I see myself as dead. Christ, you are now living in me and through me, and you are in charge. I irrevocably and unconditionally give myself over to you. And then out of that, Lord, I want to serve you by serving others. I want to be devoted to the men and women that are Christ followers alongside of me. Irrevocably, unconditionally devoted. I would submit to you that this should be our prayer this morning. God, in your response to your mercy, this is me devoting myself to you, throwing myself up on the altar, living sacrifice. I die, and Jesus, you live in me. God, in response to your mercy, this is me devoting myself in service to the body of Christ, to the men and women and children of this fellowship. God, I declare myself as cherim, set apart for you to your service, irrevocably and unconditionally. God, I devote myself, my time, my gifts, all of me. I devote myself to you to honor you by serving others. God, this is my spiritual act of worship. Back to what we've done here this morning. We had little Joel and Seth up here, and Pastor Derwin dedicated them. And my question that I began with is, remember, I promised we'd come back to that, remember? Pastor always keeps his promise. What should we pray for little Joel? What should we pray for little Seth? What should I be praying for my kids? What should you be praying for your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and your nephews, your godchildren, if that's the case for you? What should we be praying for the children who are here every Sunday and are downstairs right now? When you see them run past you or grab the last cookie off the tray right in front of you or the last piece of cake. What should we be praying for these kids in our fellowship and in our families? Well, we called it a dedication this morning. But I want to challenge us actually to, to go for more than that. I, want to, I would suggest this morning that we pray actually for more than that. I would suggest that we pray that little Joel and little Seth wouldn't just be dedicated to God. But I would suggest rather that we pray that they would be devoted to God. I would suggest that we pray that Joel and Seth would have a devoted heart, fully surrendered to the point where Christ is living in and through them. Lord, would you give them a devoted heart? That's what I suggest we pray for them. That's what we should pray for all of our children. Lord, give our children devoted hearts, hearts that are cherim, set apart for you, irrevocably and unconditionally. Give our children a devoted heart. And then, Lord, out of their devoted heart, whatever they end up doing in their lives, let them be devoted to serving others. Let them give themselves over in devotion to others. Give them a heart to serve you by serving others wherever you place them. That's what we should pray for Joel and Seth. That's what we should be praying for our children. Lord, give them a heart that is devoted to you. And give them a heart that is devoted to serving you and loving you by serving and loving others. And Lord, start with me.
Start with me as dad, start with me as mom, as grandma, as grandpa, as aunt, as uncle, as godparent, as a member of this uh, community. When we, when we prayed this morning, Lord, we want Hillside to be a welcoming and nurturing place, and I recognize my part in that. Lord, start with me in response to your mercy. God, this is me devoting myself to you in that, in that, in that scriptural sense, uh, irrevocably and unconditionally giving myself over to God. This is, this is permanent. This is for real. Throwing myself up on the altar, Romans 12. A living sacrifice. I die to my own needs and desires and wants. God, I die. And I trust you to give me everything I need. And I devote myself to serving you by serving the people that are a part of the body with me. I declare myself cherim, set apart for you, irrevocably, unconditionally. I devote myself, my time, my gifts to honoring you by serving others. God, this is my spiritual act of worship. That's where I draw the stake in the ground this morning. So if you are parents, whether your children are in diapers or whether they're grown adults, grandchildren, nieces and nephews, godchildren, just children of friends, as a part of the faith community here, the children who are a part of this faith community, my friends, can I just suggest, uh, based on, on God's word this morning, let's be praying for them. And in particular, let's pray that God would give them devoted hearts. Devoted hearts. I'm going to invite the worship team forward to close us this morning. They're going to be singing a song I don't think I'm familiar with. I, I got the words. Um, but the words are powerful because it's devotion language. So if you don't know it, um, don't miss the words either way. My goal is God himself, not joy nor peace, nor even blessing, but himself, my God. Tis his to lead me there, not mine, but his, at any cost, dear Lord, by any road. So faith bounds forward as goal in God, and love can trust her Lord to lead her there. Upheld by him, my soul is following hard till God hath fulfilled my deepest prayer. It, it, it's really a, God, I'm yours. It's, it's that kind of song. My goal is God himself. Let me stand together. I want to pray for us. And then we're going to close with this song. God, we long for our lives to be spiritual acts of worship. We long to see that uh, more and more come to fruition in the lives of our children. And as we've, as a community of faith, have come this morning and, and, and dedicated our children to the Lord, Father, we pray that, that you would give them devoted hearts, that they would be devoted to you, that they would come to the place in their own lives where they would give themselves over, fully acknowledging your lordship over their lives, and where they would be devoted to you and then devoted to serving others where you've placed them. God, that's our longing for our kids. Give them devoted hearts, we pray. And, and God, would you start in us? As moms and dads and parts of this fellowship, give us devoted hearts so that our children see that and so that they're in a faith community here where they see men and women and teenagers who have devoted hearts. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.